Welcome to the Hats Only Know podcast for your hosts, Chris and David. If you're new to us, welcome. We'll just go through four random facts we each found interesting throughout the week, and we'll find out how little we actually know. Every week, we'll start off with a hat fact. David is in charge of those. David, what is our hat fact for this week? So this week for the hat fact, figured we'd go to the people that are the reason that Normandy is called Normandy. D-Day. Norsemen. Nor- Normandy, Norsemen. Vikings. And as you probably know, they had horns on their helmets, except... They didn't. Yeah, that that's more of a uh, sort of revisionist history. I mean, it would have been a bold fashion statement to have horns on your helmet. Yeah, because, you know, when you're fighting... I, I know I'm no expert in hand-to-hand combat, but I think even I would figure out that, like... Grab the horn and pull might be an option. It's a good option to either remove the helmet or hold them down. Also, they're obviously known for their ships, building some of the best ships in the ancient world. And making it to America first. Well... I think Leif Erikson was a Viking. I guess technically I think he was in Canada, but... Well, yeah, that's still North America. Yeah. Despite what many Americans think, uh, Canada is still part of North America. No, it's not. Yeah, so Leif Erikson came to America before Christopher Columbus. Also on their ships, they were very small, so you can imagine if all of them had horns on their helmet, they'd just be constantly knocking into each other. I guess when they got to Canada, they'd be knocking into each other like, sorry, sorry. Yeah, as soon as you got to Canada, you automatically got politer. Why wouldn't you? you? You know, when in Rome. Anyway, there's only been one true Viking helmet ever found that you can definitively say that it's a Viking helmet. does not have horns on it. However, the, we have reason to believe that there is one group of Viking or Norsemen that may have worn helmets with horns on them. Well, so it could be real. I guess my question is what subgroup or uh, fighting style of Vikings or Norsemen would have possibly worn horns? What? Fighting? There was only one fighting style, hand-to-hand. They didn't have, like, guns, so you're all with, you know, swords and spears. I mean, there's also bows, but yeah. Nah, I feel like the Vikings were more in your face. I mean, they were raiders. Typically, raiding a settlement does involve a lot of hand-to-hand. That's actually why Normandy was given to the Vikings, was because France was like, all right, stop. How about if we give you a swath of land? Will you let us be then? We'll give you an ocean. We'll give you oceanfront property. Right. Please, please stop invading Paris. Because they invaded Paris so many times. It, it feels like at some point you'd figure out to like bar the river when you see Vikings coming down if you if if they're raiding that many times. Yeah. I also guess they gave them more channel front property since it's the English Channel. Well, Normandy is in France. Yeah, but it doesn't border the English Channel. Because on D-Day, they crossed the channel. I'd still call that oceanfront. I don't know. Yeah. You might lose some value. Either way. Ooh, what fighting styles were have been around since... I'm going to go with it's the uh, the Krav Maga Vikings. Well, Krav Maga was invented by Israelis. Oof. So, you're a little bit off. Have you ever heard of the term berserk? No. Okay, so berserk usually in the phrase going berserk. Oh, actually, there might be an Eminem song called berserk. That feels like an Eminem song. So from that context, do you know what it means or have an idea? Still no. I want to call Eminem good context for anything. <laughs> I mean, from Eminem songs that I know, berserk feels like it, it fits in well with his me versus the world attitude. But like, basically it means mindlessly out of control and violent. The out of control ones were horns. Makes sense. Yeah, so berserker actually means bear shirt. Bear shirt? Yeah, bear shirt. Like a shirt with a bear on it. No, there's a little debate as to whether it means like bear as in nothing or bear as in bear. Arr, bear. Rawr. <laughs> uh, do you like my bear impression there? <laughs> what an enthusiastic bear impression. <laughs> Sorry, I got a better bear impression. Only you can prevent forest fires. Ah, oh, see, I would have gotten bear immediately then. Anyway, cirque, middle English word for shirt, so berserker. Also, a lot of English is a mix between French and Norse languages. 
English just stole everything. Did the Mormons steal stuff from the Normans? You know what? That wasn't in one of my tabs I have open. I'm going to go with a no, though. Actually, I'm going to go with yes, because every civilization steal stolen from things before them, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> And we know English is really good at stealing. Well, every civilization is. If you're if you're not going to steal from things from civilizations that came before you, you're just doing it wrong. If you're still around today, you stole stuff. Right. If you're not stealing things from, you know, civilizations that came before you, you're just doing it wrong. Anyway, berserkers were people that fought in battle, typically without armor, typically naked, but with a horned helmet. Well, if you're fighting naked, what's the helmet for? Well, it's more animalistic. Also, it was another way of telling your fellow Vikings to stay the heck away from you. The idea is that they work themselves into so much of a hysteria that they wouldn't be able to tell friend from foe while fighting. They just, they kind of went off in battle. And one idea is that it was a way of telling the people around them on their side, like, hey, I might strike you down if you come close to so, like, don't. This is this is very off topic. Do you think that they, since they fought naked, except for horns? Oh, and, a, and like a sword belt or, you know, something similar to that, but no shield or anything. Okay, well, you had, you know, you have to holster your sword at some point. Exactly. Do you think this is where the uh, General Butt Naked, the warlord from Liberia, got his idea that he should fight and his troops would fight naked? Well, actually, there has... They, there has been some discussion about psychologically just seeing a group of people come at you naked to fight you just that would be utterly terrifying because they they clearly don't care about themselves and about their personal safety if they're not wearing any sort of armor or they're very confident they're gonna win they're very confident they're better than you or they switched out their fantasy men's armor for fantasy women's armor but yeah no they, they have looked into psychologically that that would just be terrifying seeing a bunch of people just run naked at you clearly not caring about themselves at all in which you start to think hmm well maybe i should care a little bit more about me then those are the people i'm fighting what am i doing what am i doing here right is it worth it so that definitely is what general butt naked was thinking then quite possibly i don't know who you're referring to it's an actual gen it's an actual warlord from the african country liberia his troops fought naked i watched a whole vice documentary on it okay that makes sense when vice actually did good videos oh that's probably where the warlord from book of mormon got his name book of mormon is a musical written by the same people as south park i've heard of book of mormon uh, i can't believe trey parker and matt stone wrote a musical and that he got produced it's great it's fantastic honestly i enjoy it but you hate south park I do, but Book of Mormon is fantastic. I enjoy musicals just as a whole. So obviously I'm going to enjoy a musical more than 2D cartoon show. So Berserkers were, you know, bear shirt. There's also another group of people that I, uh, I'm going to try it that were essentially wolf warriors. One of the more famous examples of them, they're also typically associated with Berserkers because Berserker is more of like the mindless, you know, fighting style and such as well as bear. But the Volsung saga in Norse Legends features wolf warriors where they get turned into werewolves oh that seems like an advantage it is but also like you're a werewolf so it's kind of hard to keep complete control of yourself you, it's it's kind of like the idea of you wake up in the morning covered in blood and you're like what okay hopefully this isn't anyone i care about is it mine what happened last night how much did i drink i mean vikings so a lot because if you're if you're gonna be going on a naval voyage i'm sure they were mainly raiding adventures so they were still close to the coast but if you're going on 
see for a while, you're going to want alcohol because water will spoil. And also, if you're raiding, you can always just raid more alcohol. So Exactly. But Berserkers seem to be the only Norse people or Vikings that could have actually worn helmets or not could have, but there's evidence to suggest they might have worn helmets. Again, partially due to being more animalistic and partially due to, hey, look, don't go near me. I will kill you because I don't know who my friends are in this state. There's evidence to suggest they might have taken drugs, essentially, to put them in a Berserker state, uh, state as it were. Checks out. Yeah, also, speaking of the horns, to let people know who you are, some samurai helmets have large horns on them for the generals so that their troops can find them easily. See, that makes sense for the generals. The Vikings, they were just crazy then. Well, it's, it's about the whole warrior honor culture of, I can kill people better than everyone else, which... Also, with Vikings, it was not illegal to kill someone. Well, as long as you were raiding them, it's fine. Well, I, I mean, like, even somebody in their own village. But if you hid the fact that you killed them, then then that's murder. It's only murder if you hide it. Otherwise, you just have to pay, pay them a fine. Seems fair. Well, from an ancient warfare and lack of armor, except maybe horns on helmets. Mm-hmm. They were very horny, if you will. Boo. A vehicle that was heavily armored. Tanks. I feel like tanks are the definition of heavily armored, yeah. What year? Well, okay, before we get into what year, British people like tea. That's the stereotypical British person to Americans. Yeah, I also really enjoyed that the phrase cuppa is a full phrase meaning, do you want to have a cup of tea with me? Is cuppa? I, I, I just love that. So, since the British like their tea so much, what year do you think they put a device in their tanks so that way the tank crew could make tea inside of their tanks. On one hand, I'm just surprised that it wasn't part of the original. They put a thing in their tank. Like when they're going through the designs of the new tank, they're like, okay, so we want to make sure that the uh, treads are able to cross land better. We want to make sure that the armor is thick enough to uh, withstand the new armor piercing bullets. Yeah, and you want to add a uh, tea. Yeah, it's not just a tea maker. It is mainly just a heating element. So they could also reheat food. Like all the US tanks also now have this. I imagine it for the US tank, this is more for coffee though. Yeah, coffee and food. They have like a Keurig machine or something in it. Just sitting in battle. Anybody want a cuppa? What do you guys want? Uh, only tea I know is Earl Grey uh, because of Star Trek. Anyway, what year? Well, World War II was when tanks were featured heavily. Yes, they were. And so I'm assuming that during World War II was when everybody was sitting there going, you know what I could really use right now? Some tea. Really calm the nerves. You also know I, I watch way too many World War II documentaries, so. Yeah. So I'm assuming that after World War II was when they were like, okay, now we finally have time to upgrade and put a tea maker in it. So I'm going to go with 1957. Oh, it's actually earlier. Ooh, you are correct. It was after World War II, but it just after. So in development during World War II, they're like, okay, we've got a plan D-Day and we've got a plan tea makers. And by just after, it did become standard in 1945, just not in time for the end of World War II. I, I really enjoy that they were planning both D-Day and tea makers in tanks at the same time. Well, so they were planning this because approximately 37% of all tanker casualties during World War II happened when the tank crew was outside of their vehicle. So they're trying to add it to keep them inside the tank. Oh my goodness, I love that. They're, they were sitting there going, why is everybody, why did they keep leaving their tanks? Okay, what if we put, I don't know, comfier chairs? No, they'll still leave. Bathroom? No, that's not what they're going for. Tea. Yep, that'll it's basically just like a boiling thing that can it's basically just like a glorified microwave but it got amplified trying to do this quicker because six days after d-day so june 12th 1944 reportedly the british lost 14 tanks in 15 minutes 
minutes because they all stopped to have a meeting outside of their tank crew and they hadn't seen Germans up until then. But there was a German tank division about 600 yards away. Can you imagine being the Germans during that going, okay, so we've got to figure out a way. They've got 15, six, no, 16 tanks and we, wait. They're outside of them. Let's go. They, they're having tea. Okay, this is the British division. Got it. This is definitely the British division. They're having a meeting to plan their next move, and then they saw them all get out. So the person in charge of the German tanks and anti-tank guns were, all right, let's go. Yeah, I I can imagine them just standing there for like 30 seconds, just sitting there going, this just feels too easy. What are we missing? Yeah, now it's standard in all tanks for all like first world countries, because it does turn out your tank crew is safer inside of the tank. That's weird. Who would have thought? Yeah, so if you can keep them inside, it's better. Yeah, and you know. Being able to make tea in Hot Pockets, that'll do it. Or, you know, just whatever your rations are for that day. Tea in Hot Pockets. I don't, maybe Hot Pocket. Hot Pockets are still popular in stores, though. They're also way too expensive for what they actually are. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I have no idea what a Hot Pocket is. I just know that their theme song is just stupid simple. Yes, they're okay. I used to eat a lot of them in high school. What are they? It kind of like, it's like a folded pizza that you just microwave for two minutes. So like a pizza burrito? Yeah. Okay, that actually sounds good. I imagine if I could have pizza, I would imagine that that would taste good. I don't know. Yeah, but it's also not made well, so it's... Well, of course not. It's mass produced. They make it to be available. I mean, Little Caesars Hot and Ready Pizzas isn't great, but it's still at least edible Hot Pockets. Now, if I get them, I'm just usually more sad that I'm eating them. But I also need lunch. So is that the same as Twinkies? No, Twinkies are so good. Okay, well, I guess World War Two, so M and M's and tea. But isn't it still like Twinkies and cockroaches can survive a nuclear blast? Wally taught me that one. <laughs> Wally, Ralva. I just watched Wally recently. <laughs> It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It also has very few words in it. Yeah. Also, Disney's ability to make inanimate objects have more feelings than most humans is incredible. Well, I started early with Bambi. What if animals had feelings? What if cars had feelings? What if robots had feelings? What if feelings had feelings? Ooh, Inside Out's also a good one. It is very good. Yeah, no, I mean, like, Pixar, they do well. They do. They do really well. Pixar also founded by Steve Jobs. Is Disney releasing all their movies on Disney Plus this year? I thought they already had. Well, no, like, because Warner Brothers is literally releasing movies in theaters and on the same day on HBO Max. Because the U.S. can't handle COVID, so they know no one can go to theaters. No, they know that most people won't go to theaters. Um, There are still people that will. They're re-releasing, what is it, Lord of the Rings, I believe, in IMAX. Which is amazing, and I would definitely pay to go to it if it weren't for COVID. Pick a different time, and I'm all all about it. Because it's never been in IMAX. Does... IMAX add that much to it? Yes. How about you just sit really close to our TV? Yeah, you're right. I'll put the the surround sound speakers just behind me. I need to get the bass booster then and just sit on it. Have you ever watched a movie in 4D? I have. I went to uh, Bugs Life at Disney in the like Great Tree or whatever it's called. Tree of Life, there we are, uh, which is actually an oil rig, by the way. But yeah, no, I went there and they had like bugs like sneezing or whatever, and they like put puffs of air. And at one point they had ants crawling all over, and so they like vibrated the ground, so you had that like tingling in your feet. Okay, that sounds miserable. At least I was at Shedd Aquarium in Chicago when I did this, and it was just watching sharks, so when the shark came to like attack, they like hit you in the back. Okay, they didn't like spray water at your face or open up a like thing of water above you and just drown you? 
No. I also, uh, I guess, I think it was Rugrats in Paris, I want to say? They had scratch and sniffs. So on the bottom of the screen, they would have a little symbol that says one, and somebody would, like, fart on screen, and then you'd scratch off one and just, like, stick it in your face and, like, inhale it. Makes sense for Rugrats, yeah. They're trying to get young kids on cocaine, I think was the thing. I mean, it's a, that's a strategy you could go for. It is. It might have some gasoline in it. Okay, so, my, my third fact... Second, third, okay, is going to be, what do you think sentinel chickens protect? You asked me before this if I know what sentinel chickens are. I did because I wanted to see what I should ask, and the fact that you know nothing led me to believe that I should definitely just go all for it. My response was, all right, I can, I, uh, I can just ask what they are then. My answer, by the way, was, they're a chicken. Well, it's a sentinel chicken, so obviously they're protecting something. But now that you said they protect something, I'm starting to think they're not an actual chicken they are they are actual chickens is it but are they actual animal live chickens i figured i should go off of your tanks you know tea and tanks sentinel chickens you know just a company of chickens i thought we were gonna get into some like movie lore again uh, i'm gonna go with the uh, the easy company of these sentinel chickens are just protecting they're gonna protect their rooster no they protect humans so Sentinel chickens, they were first put into use by Walt Disney in Disney World. Why were we protecting, why was he protecting humans there? Well, really, the sentinel chickens are to find out where they should spray for mosquitoes. So if you ever go to Disney World, you'll notice, even though you're in the middle of a swamp, there's not a lot of mosquitoes. I don't know. When I went, we were camping, so I was covered in mosquito bites anyway. Okay, yeah, they, in that one, they actually can't spray a ton because it's supposed to be as natural as possible, so they can't really be going, look over here is the great untouched wilderness, and over here are people spraying more pesticides than you would ever see in your life otherwise. So, they release good bugs to eat the bad bug bugs uh, a lot more there. But anyway, in order to target areas that they should be spraying, they use sentinel chickens. What the hell does that even mean? Like, what is a sentinel chicken? They are coops of chickens, I believe there are eight of them in Disney World, that are set up around the parks, and once a week, they test the blood of the chickens for West Nile virus and various other uh, mosquito-borne diseases. So they're just test subjects. Yes. Oh, they're 100% test subjects. They just go about, quote, their normal chicken lives. And then once a week, they take a little bit of blood. They also have reserve chickens, by the way, because what they're doing is they're testing for the antibodies. In case one dies of West Nile? No, actually, so chicken immune systems allow them to not get sick from most of the mosquito diseases. So they're fine. If they get bit by mosquitoes, they're not going to die. They, ju- they have the antibodies. So they just test for the antibodies, and then once they are tested positive for the antibodies for, say, West Nile virus, they are swapped out for a new chicken. I don't know why. I'm not... I don't know why I'm surprised by this. We know Walt Disney was like... He wasn't a good person. They're not really hurting chickens at all by doing this. Well, actually, I couldn't really find what they do to the chickens after they test positive. I'm assuming sell them to Tyson. I don't know. Nah, Tyson has enough chicken farms. They're fine. Yeah, I, I really don't know what they do. I guess they go to the pasture up north. Maybe they're selling them to, you know, like the Aldi, Aldi brand chickens. Maybe. Anyway. Yeah, so like they don't hurt them. They just let them live in chicken coops and such. And then once a week, take a little bit of blood and then set them back down and they keep going. 
It's basically like how we are now with COVID tests. It's the exact same situation, but with chickens. Where like every two weeks you have to get a uh, COVID test, right? No, no, no. You have to test negative. Yeah, we have to get it every 10 days. Fair. But same idea. Sorry, every 10 days then you get a COVID test, right? And that's to help find out where COVID is spreading to help reduce the spread of COVID, correct? That's what they say, but I could also... It's just everywhere. It's it's everywhere. But please go with me on this because I'm trying to explain it in easy terms. <laughs> So please, you know, go with me. Be great. But the idea of COVID tests is that they are supposed to help you find out where COVID is, I guess, spreading the fastest, shall we say then. Okay. And then that way, you know, to ramp up your COVID protection, whatever your systems are in that area. In the US, we don't have those systems. But again, that's theoretically what it's for. The chickens are the same idea. They're tested. And that way they know where to ramp up mosquito killing measures. Poor mosquitoes never stood a chance. Yeah, there have been multiple studies and they found that there is no benefit to people or chickens getting bitten. And there's actually debate as to if you destroyed all mosquitoes in the world, would it actually be bad? Probably. Because like, there's a lot of animals that if you got rid of that, it would dis disrupt the food chain. But there's debate as to whether mosquitoes are actually an integral part of any food chain. Integral? Uh, but I feel like it, it probably shouldn't destroy an entire species on purpose. It just seems like you're asking for something bad to happen. Honestly, with mosquitoes, I'm for it. Meh. Mainly because I get bitten constantly. Like, I walk outside and then I have 100 mosquito bites, even though I didn't see any bite me. But the Sentinel chicken system has been picked up in various other parts of the country, like California, Bama, so on and so forth, to try to detect various mosquito diseases and get rid of them. So since this seems successful, can we train these chickens to test for COVID in humans? Actually, there are different diseases that they have trained animals to like try to be able to sniff out, and typically with dogs. However, bees have a much better sense of smell than dogs, so they're now trying to train bees to detect explosives. And I feel like after they've trained them to test explosive, and they have their little like bomb squad vests on, we should te teach them to smell for diseases. But I feel like bees will freak people out more than a dog. Yeah, but... I feel like if we t if we tell people that bees are now able to sniff out COVID and you don't need to get a test every two weeks, then people will be like, oh, yeah, let's 100% save them then. Honey, who cares about honey? But not having to get a COVID test, sure. There is one professional sports team using COVID sniffing dogs. Again, I think bees would be better. Also, they would look much cuter with little bomb bee squad vests on than dogs would. I think you're underestimating how much people love dogs. I definitely am. But also, imagine a bee with a little vest on. I'll wait. Especially considering the most watched event on Animal Planet every year. I don't know if it's for fact, but it probably is true, is the Puppy Bowl. The 100% true fact that I'm just making up now. But it's probably true. So the Puppy Bowl is 100 times better than the Super Bowl. Fight me. It's it's the event to watch on Super Bowl Sunday. Also, the Puppy Bowl tailgate, which I hope they did that pun on purpose. I would watch that five times over instead of the Super Bowl pregame show, because to be honest, it's much more interesting. I can only hear so many times about how Tom Brady's been to 10 Super Bowls. Or Mahomes as the baby goat, but I don't, and I don't know who's going to win between, between Team Rough and Team Fluff. I'm always rooting for Fluff. I mean, Team Rough though. You gotta, you gotta give him the credit. There's one dog called Hash Brown. I don't remember what team he's on this year, but he's like my favorite. I looked up the starting lineup. Oh, who's the starting lineup or who's the captain? I don't know. They just really, it's just all the dogs. That's fair.
I, I do enjoy that they have a, what is it, squirrel and a blimp? Uh, hamsters and the blimp and kitten cheerleaders and a halftime show. If you haven't, if you have never heard of the Puppy Bowl, do yourself a favor and look it up and watch one. You're going to be so happy. Even if you're not an animal person, it's fantastic. Mainly the lengths to which they take themselves too seriously, but understand it. We'll, we'll move on to our last fact of the week, which has nothing to do with anything we just talked about, as usual. So, uh, you know that I am not made for warm weather climates. You sweat in sub-zero weather. I think you'd be the perfect berserker. I ran a 10k in 29 degree weather and had to take my shirt off because I sweated through it. I think you're training to be a berserker is what I'm hearing. We just need to get you a horned helmet. So knowing that I hate the heat, apparently my body is not made for it. What do you think the hottest temperature ever measured is? The inside of a star, I'm assuming. No, sorry, measured on Earth. Okay. Well, we've made plasma before. We have. So I'm assuming it's going to be a plasma. Okay. 5,300 Kelvin. You are way too low. 53,000 Kelvin. I almost said COVID. 53,000 COVID. No. The center of the sun is like 5,500 Kelvin. And? The temperature that was measured was 40 times higher than a supernova unleashed by the explosions of dying stars. Were they trying to make gold? They were using lead, I believe. To make gold? No, it was in an atom collider. They weren't trying to revive alchemy? At Brookhaven National Lab. What was the temperature? 4 trillion degrees Celsius. Okay, that's just not a number I can wrap my head around. (laughs) gonna be a nope for me yeah the previous record before that was like two trillion celsius i think only two trillion (sighs) amateurs so this one this was from the heat generated from a head-on collision between gold ions that then burst apart into particles into a quark plasma a quark is the smallest part of an atom i i love that one of the quarks names is charmed like up down and then there's charmed I, i just i love that charmed is what we decided to name a quark yeah, it's a, it was a, it's a solid name. Science sometimes comes up with good ones. Yeah, you know there are scientists just sitting there going, okay, so we've got up, we've got down, sure, sure. Wilson, you got anything? She's just sitting there like, ah, charmed, charmed. Got it, works. So this one was at Brookhaven. The one before this mm-hmm. was at Sandia National Labs, which is in Los Alamos, where the nuclear bomb was created. You know, Los Alamos, the Manhattan Project. Yeah, and they reached the temperature, and then it was, yeah, we don't actually know how we did this. Like, that was that's more than we put in, so there's another energy source that we're not sure where it's coming from. Dark matter. At least this one, they knew it's coming from, we're colliding two atoms head on, and we somehow got a temperature. It's only around for, like... Uh, pretty much no time at all but i mean that's that's the same as most of the uh actually for a lot of the super collider experiments they just test for the remnants of particles that they know don't exist long enough to even reach their detectors yeah and for this one they're trying to go back to see what the conditions could have been like a millisecond after the big bang honestly they need to go even further back than that come on only a millisecond that's some amateur work there this was in 2012 but i haven't found them i haven't found a hotter temperature measured in lab i mean you know, it's only 4 trillion, so... It's in the Guinness World Record as the highest man-made temperature. Okay, what's the hottest non-man-made temperature on Earth? A 134 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 56.6 degrees Celsius. That's actually not nearly as hot as I would have thought. It was measured in Death Valley in, like, 1913. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, 
Death Valley, again, apt name. Yeah, also, it turns out there's more than one, like, Death Valley. I was listening to a podcast this week, and they were talking about Death Valley in Norway. Yeah, I don't think it takes a lot of big brain power to go, hmm, this is a place we shouldn't go back to. What should we call it? Death Valley? Death Valley it is. That's a big brain move. I don't know. I feel like naming Iceland and Greenland their respective names is a big brain move. So I would definitely, I would not make it very long in 134 degree weather. No, just don't even go there then, because... With your luck, your car would probably break down or something in the middle of the desert. Probably, yeah. And you get out of your car and you're just like, well, this isn't fun. What's the coldest temperature? That's what we're going to next. I'm very much a penguin. Yes. Which is also my favorite animal. Also, if you haven't, please listen to Benedict Cumberbatch try to pr- pronounce the word penguin. The coldest temperature ever measured was in Antarctica. Again, that feels like a correct place to measure it. Yeah, shockingly enough. Negative 89.2 degrees Celsius I'm glad we got the point too. Or negative 128.5 Fahrenheit. Again, we're going to go with a nope. I think even the penguins down there were just like, well, this sucks. Yeah, they spent a whole movie trying to get there then. I know, right? Sucked. Yeah, the penguins down there are like, anybody got a spare coat? Huddle closer together. It's cold. Brave the weather. I think, so that's a little bit too cold for me. Really? I would at least definitely wear pants. Okay, good to know. The coldest I've worn shorts outside is negative like six with a wind chill of negative 25 to 30. Oh. Because I wanted to know what negative 30 wind chill felt like. See, mine was negative 20 with a negative 40 wind chill. No, negative eight with a negative 40 wind chill. And that was just because I wasn't smart enough to check the weather before I walked outside. No, I just wanted to know what it felt like. Oh. It was cold. Yeah, I mean... I'm glad you think so. At least you do have some nerves in your body. You are able to detect, huh, that's cold. Good to know. There's not many. Snow does stick to my arms. And and I imagine if you get a thick enough layer, it's insulating like an igloo. That's when I have to wipe it off just physically. I I think, oh, right, because it's insulating and that's not great for you. Yeah, it's always entertaining though. Whenever it's snowing, I'll like roll my sleeve up to be like, does it still stick to me? Yep. Okay. Turns out when you practice for three hours for football in snow and the snow just starts sticking to you, that apparently is just a permanent thing. I just want to point out that I feel like that would be a permanent thing even if you were outside practicing for like cricket in the snow. Like I don't feel like the football had an effect. No, but that's why I was outside for three hours in short sleeves. Honestly, I could also see that just being, hmm, I'm going to go outside today. How cold is it? Very. Got it. Thank you for listening to the Hats All We Know podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to us talk about sentinel chickens and whatever Chris talked about, I've already forgotten. I'm so confused by those chickens. When I heard the term sentinel chickens, I just assumed that it was like chickens with a flak jacket. Oh, I'm sad they don't have a sentry gun. Right. Like just standing outside of uh, Disney with like a gun turret. Like, all right, we're going to catch those mosquitoes. Where are they at? Where are they at? Oh, crap. That was a gnat. Like, that's what I just assumed when I heard Sentinel Chickens. Anyway, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't, again, go watch the Puppy Bowl. It'll make you feel better. Just putting that out there. Go Hash Brown. Go Team Rough. Actually, by the time this comes out, it'll have been a while since the Puppy Bowl. So we're saying this before it happens. Go watch the replay of said Puppy Bowl. Right. So when Team Rough wins, I predicted it before it happened. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. If you did, share it with your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, again, just watch the Puppy Bowl. You'll, you'll be happy either way. You'll have at least gotten one good thing out of this episode. Yeah, and if you did enjoy it, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Hats All We Know. And now, a pun. Not about the puppy bowl. It will be a pun, not about the puppy bowl. Well, thank you for joining us. 
Hopefully you enjoyed the quality content in this and that it was not just fluff. If you didn't enjoy it, that's kind of rough for you. But please do not go berserk and destroy your phone because that's not our fault if you do. Damn it, I said not about the puppy bowl. Yeah, puppy bowl. Have fun.